Sean, we are now living in the midst of a strike with the actors and the writers, and there are no signs of the two sides coming together, the two sides being uh, the studios and the writers and actors. And analysts are saying this could roll on through the Oscars, which is what ultimately put pressure on the last actor strike to end. Thoughts? <laughs> I'm, I'm just upset there's not a podcast strike yet. Um, I mean, we don't get paid anything. Why are uh, you upset about that? You don't want to be here? Goodbye. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. I mean, I, I want some fair payment, too. I mean, you know, that's... <laughs> Sean, if the podcast if podcasts went on strike... I, I mean, this. <laughs> I, mean, I, I would say nothing. You thousand episodes, so like I, I still would have plenty to listen to. I would be very nervous for your well-being. <laughs> I mean that with all sincerity. <laughs> all right, we are doing a quicker episode today just to dive into some stuff that we missed uh, over the weekend when we were unable to record. We got a lot of trailers last week, and the ones that have dropped already this week we'll cover next weekend. Uh, but we have to talk about three in particular. Where do you want to start? Well, let's start with maybe ooh, tough call. Uh, the most positive one I would say is that Ahsoka finally has like a pretty decent visually yeah. uh, stunning trailer. Um, just because I've been worried about that show and its look just seems so odd. And my one still concern is that is this show going to rely way too much on Rebels? And that's fine with me because I've seen all of Rebels and I love Rebels. But I like when these live action shows reach out to the like fully like casual star wars fan and if that doesn't do that here that'll that'll bum me out as much as it, it's still for me I'll, be, I'll still be a happy boy but um, like i worry about that because there are a lot of characters from uh rebels in this and you know ahsoka wasn't even like a main character in rebels mm -hmm. so that was the that's the weird part about that but i mean who knows who knows what they actually do with it but uh i'm still excited it looks way better than i've seen before yeah, I think that first trailer that we saw, we both were very like, oh, there seems like they're only showing like different angles of one scene here. Um, but this one definitely fleshed it out. So my opinion on this is I think it actually looks larger in scale than I expected, mm -hmm. which has me very excited. And I can't believe I'm about to say this because I usually hate them. <laughs> but I want them to do flashbacks in this. I want them to do some things to introduce some of these characters or concepts that we, if you have not watched the animated film, uh, animated series, that you're not going to be familiar with. Yeah. There is an episode guide that's out there <laughs> around on Twitter. It's like, you know, for Rebels, for the four seasons of Rebels, watch these. Yeah, because those are the only episodes she's in. Like, she does float in and out, so it's well, interesting. It's, yeah. It's not only that, but it's like, there's... <laughs> it pretty much ends up being like three quarters of the episodes but they're like in season one watch this in season two watch this and then these underlined ones are mall's arc uh and then these other ones are clone wars are i don't i don't know i'm confused um yep. but there's there's a lot going on so i as someone that didn't watch the animated series i don't know how i'm gonna catch up on it um in time probably won't to be honest so that's why i'm hoping that they do something to string along the more casual viewer uh, what worries me about that is they literally didn't do that for the Mandalorian. Not even like a like recap of like, hey, in this completely other series, Mando and Baby Yoda joined up together again. They did not even include like a little like. Do you mean for right? Boba? Oh yeah, Boba. What a, yeah, for Boba when they joined <laughs> up together, and it's like, oh yeah, third season, yeah, they're together again. You should just know that. And so if they're not going to do it for an actual series with the actual characters, I worry about what they're going to do with this. But. Yeah. I mean, hey, if it's just for the diehard fans, I'll still have a good time. <laughs> but, yeah. 
if it's a good series, game on. Yeah. Uh, bring it on. When does this come out again? I think August. And Ahsoka is a very like solitary character that like kind of like marches to the beat of her own drum. I mean, she's someone that like in Clone Wars straight up quit the Jedi, and so she she has an interesting character arc there. And so I like her as sort of like a Mandalorian like lone gunslinger, which she yeah. was kind of portrayed within the Mandalorian. August twenty third, twenty twenty three. Well, that sucks. What are we going to do in August then? It'll be interesting to see if that gets delayed or any of these series get delayed as they are, you know, we've mentioned the strike early on and um, we'll talk in a second about kind of where that's at. But the uh, there's a lot of talk about what films are going to be delayed, if any. And yeah. I, I think that landscape's going to continue to change here. Um, let's talk Napoleon. Oh, uh, this is also a great one. So I, we could have started with this one too. <laughs> this is I, so I was nervous when you were like, "Let's start with the best one, Ahsoka." I'm like, "Oh boy, did he hate it?" <laughs> yeah, maybe this one. one. I forgot that this one was on the outline. Actually, <laughs> yeah. So Joaquin Phoenix returns with Ridley Scott here. I so watching this trailer, I was like, "This is the type of cinematic epic feel that I I've been missing." Um, even though I'm thinking that Oppenheimer is starting to lean that direction for me, we'll so see how far, it is. Yeah. But uh, Napoleon looks like a really interesting character study of the character of Napoleon, the character, the individual that was Napoleon, <laughs> um, and sort of his rise and fall uh, with the Ridley Scott touches. So there's a lot that reminded me of, if, there's going to be a lot of comparisons to Gladiator, mm -hmm. which I would argue is Ridley Scott, well, no, that's a lie. I was going to say it's probably Ridley Scott's most well-known, maybe for more modern audiences, um it's just, it's considered his most epic i mean some people argue kingdom of heaven director's cut is his most epic and i, I haven't seen the director's cut of that but uh yeah yeah it feels it feels like an epic and i'm excited for that because I, I i love these types of historical dramas and um joaquin phoenix isn't my favorite individual Ooh. in the world uh but he looks like he's fully engrossed in the role here he he does. He does look kind of great for it. It was. It was always an odd casting choice yeah. when I heard it. I was like, I don't know, man. I mean, I. I but it. It does pretty much work. The pretentiousness of him works. Yeah. Um. I mean, I, on a personal note, this will be coming out Thanksgiving when uh, baby math teacher movies arrives. So without even like hearing about it, Sam texted me. Just so you know, you're not going to see um napoleon until 2024 and i damn said, well and then i told her i was like no 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 no. it's on apple tv plus as well it's gonna have a little theater run and then apple tv plus um so i told her not only are we gonna see it in 2023 but it might be baby math teacher movie's first movie <laughs> which is perfect um i'm all in for that yeah um uh Listen, I, I'm hoping, I, I think the timing and everything shows that Apple's hoping that it is, you know, a big awards contender next mm. year. Um, but again, you know, these epic movies, these large films that are coming out, these tentpole films, it's going to be interesting to see what these studios do when they don't have anyone to promote them. Well, it's going to be even worse when the only person to promote are directors because mm -hmm. actors and writers can't promote. So when Ridley Scott is the only one doing interviews, <laughs> <laughs> that grumpy bastard will be like, Oh my so God. That, that won't go too well. What's your favorite Ridley Scott movie? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, oh, I think I got to go. I, I, I should look at the list, but probably Alien. Really? Okay. I, 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 I love Alien even more than Aliens, even though Aliens is amazing. I, I, Alien is just such a like interesting setting for a horror movie. That or Gladiator, probably. I think I'm between Gladiator and The Last Duel. Oh, the last tool was good. I the last, the last tool, tool was one, one that's grown on me so yeah. much. Yeah, same here. Huh. 
Interesting. Um, let's. How has the Wonka trailer grown on you? Because yeah, that that one we could definitely put last on there. <laughs> Dude, this trailer. I was like, when they first announced this, and then this the the snippets of the musical scenes would come out on Twitter and stuff like that. I was like, oh boy, here we go. Like, I'm gonna give it, you know, open mind, see what they're doing here. This trailer I thought was so bad. Yeah. And I, I don't know, number one, I don't know who this is made for. Number two, I don't know why it's made. And number three, they didn't even show any of the musical scenes yet. They show some of the dancing and stuff, um, but they don't show any of the musical scenes. And then we get Hugh Grant as an Oompa Loompa at the end. Uncanny Valley at its finest. That was really rough to see. I, I'm, you know, this is the director of Paddington. So, you know, I remember when the Paddington trailer came out, I was kind of like, why, who is this for? Why does this exist? What does this need? And it turns out to be a, both are sensational movies. So... I'll give it that. Um, Timothy Chalamet is not right for this role. Um, he's like kind of doing a duplicate of Johnny Depp's Wonka, which maybe let's not do that. It it doesn't it, it he he doesn't seem fitting fitting for it. I don't know what it is. He wants to provide this whimsy, and he just seems off. And I mean, there, there's some great charm in this. Like there's like the uh, like hey, no daydreaming. And so I'm like, okay, so there's like there there is that fun little humor there, but it's few and far between. And I mean. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. And, and you know, I, I got into a battle with Kevin about this, friend of the pod, Kevin. <laughs> you know, he loves Paddington, so he's just, like, ready for this all out. And I'm just like, this, like, what would you want, a darker Wonka? And I'm like, I got to be honest, I don't want one at all. Yeah, I don't want one <laughs> yeah, at all. And also, maybe it does need a darker edge because, I don't know, dude, he captured the Oompa Loompas. Like, and so that that is a slave trade sort of deal if we were really going to get into it. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, I just, yeah, this this does not work for me. Um you know, oh God, yeah, just does not look good. Yeah, I'm very. I, I guess I'm just confused about the whole angle here. I so with Timothy Chalamet, the way I thought he was, um, he was presenting himself was kind of Johnny Depp, but also trying to tap into the mysteriousness of Gene Wilder. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't know. Like it just doesn't work. I don't for see me either. Him. I don't see him being too weird and I don't see him being too like subtle with it either. Yeah. It just, it's just very bland and the, like the whole like strike that reverse it kind of thing, which was a classic Gene Wilder. Just, it, it didn't work. I was just like, Oh boy, that that's strange. I wonder if this was like a tag on, like you need to do this movie for us for Warner brothers. I, I, hey, that was back in the day. That's how that stuff worked. Mm-hmm. So. Oh man. All right. Uh, Sean, you are the only one of the two of us that saw Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, the sequel, the first, the whatever, the long title it is. Mission colon impossible dash dead reckoning comma part one. Slash Tom Cruise tries to unalive himself. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Hit hit us with your thoughts. Um, So this movie has been considered the second coming of Christ. um, (laughs) And it's not that. Um, Now... I mean, I will say, for an action movie, it delivers very well done. Very limited, like, you know, digital effects. Even when the digital effects are there, though, there's such a good suspense level of the construction of them that I was totally okay with it. Um, The action set pieces are spectacular. You know, the stunt that's obviously been given away is still a marvel to see on the big screen. Everything about, like, this movie from the action standpoint is exceptional. God, this story is so fucking stupid. It is it like it is unbelievably dumb to the point where like the in the first moment when there's a bunch of officers in there and they're all like explaining what the uh, entity is the villain is the entity which is an AI artificial intelligence which timely yeah but also very heady very sweaty 
doesn't make a lot of sense if you even come close to thinking about it. But all the officers are saying one line after one line. It's like Rob Delaney, then Charles Parnell, then someone else, then someone else. And they keep on just saying one line after another after another. Yeah. It felt like it was being delivered by like a school play. Yeah. And it just was so strange. They were like finishing each other's sentences. And I'm like, I'm listening to what they're saying. And I'm like, I, I hate this. I hate this a lot. And so that was like just swimming around my brain where I'm like, I don't know. There, yes, there is a person who's a villain in this, but like the villain is technically the AI. And that villain, that, that, that villain is just an issue where they sort of retcon him into the first movie. Um, he wasn't in the first movie, but they just kind of say like, hey, here, remember this guy from the first movie? No. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, and so th- those problems are there. And then the last act, the last act hits, and it is just some of the best action I've seen all year. And so I'm like, kind of all is forgiven. Honestly, like everything that's dumb about this plot, everything that's really stupid about this plot, the action is still so good that I really can forgive it. And so, so it's the rare third act for Sean. Yeah, it's a instead of a third act problem, this is like <laughs> the third act really did quite save this. And, I, and that's where, like, you know, I, I gave it a B in the end. And, like, the whole time I'm like, oh, I'm going to get crushed online for this. I'm giving this, like, a C probably. And then it's just so heady. It's just so dumb. And, you know, they're always just wearing masks. And that's how they get out of every single situation is they wear these incredibly lifelike masks where it's just the actor playing that part. And then finally, like, that last act hit. And I was like, damn it. He did it. <laughs> Cruz did it. They know how to do an action movie really well. They know how to construct it. Um, shout out to uh, Haley Atwell, who is amazing. That's amazing, amazing, amazing. Um, you know, uh, Pom Clementif was also quite good as like kind of like the henchman, but like a very silent, bad, badass henchman. Um, and then you know the typical people in there: Rebecca Ferguson, Simon Pegg, Ving Rhames, Tom Cruise. They all worked well as as well. And uh, Vanessa Kirby shows up, and there, there's a scene where like uh, Storm Haley Atwell is wearing a Vanessa Kirby mask, and act, and so Vanessa Kirby is the one acting, but acting like Haley Atwell. Pretty damn solid acting, honestly. Like, That's I'll give it to Kirby for that. So, um, I, I was I was thinking about you. I was like, I know Joe doesn't want to see this movie, but Vanessa Kirby does have a scene where she acts her ass off. So, God, I love Vanessa you Kirby. may want to swing by. She's um she was just recently asked about the Sue Storm rumors, and her answer was kind of like. Uh, Oh, that would be fun type thing. And I'm like, oh, that's cute. Mm-hmm. That's cute. Yeah. Um, what's interesting with Mission Impossible is like everyone's talking about this as being like the you know second coming of Jesus type thing. And it I mean, it's doing well, but mm-hmm. it's not doing nearly as well at the bots office as people expected. Yeah. I mean, it's it's gonna it's gonna be like fine. Like it's gonna be yeah. probably make money back. So I mean people expected way better from it because you know, this is a Tom Cruise action movie, but I and I, I think it still will like you know, well actually I don't know because Barbara Barbenheimer that could uh, screw yeah. things up. But I also think Barbenheimer is a very internet populace. <laughs> like the internet kind of loves Barbenheimer, so I I still think Mission Impossible is going to hang in there in the box office. I, I think Barbie's going to top it, and then I, oh god I don't know maybe well, yeah Top Gun Maverick at the beginning of the summer when it came out. Uh, what what year was that? Twenty twenty one. 2022, 2022, 2022. Yeah. Um, was had $124 million in its opening weekend and went on to do really well. Um, there, I mean, when you count in the early screenings, because they did release this like last Monday. Oh, they did release it, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's like $78 million, I think it's at. Um, but I do think that it's a crowded theatrical landscape right now with Oppenheimer and Barbie opening this weekend. Barbie's tracking at 110 at the, as of this moment. I, I see that overperforming, honestly. Like, I, yeah. I, I mean, 
I don't think kids are supposed to go to this movie, but I think there's going to be a lot of kids being brought to this movie, and that's going to be very funny. And so it'll be interesting how that goes. And then the following week, you and I talked about this a little bit, I think, but we, you know, Haunted Mansion comes out, and a lot of people have been wondering why Haunted Mansion's coming out at that time. And it's because you have movies like Mission Impossible, Barbie, and Oppenheimer that aren't necessarily tailored towards kids. But then you have a Disney fair that's coming in to offer that alternative. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the box office, because I think it's a very it's an odd time, especially with the strikes going on and all of that. Um, but there are all these all these movies that are coming out are very different movies. <laughs> yeah. And so it'll be really interesting to see which ones like, you know, because people don't go to the theater four times in a month. Yeah. And so yeah. it'll be interesting to see what they decide to pick. Well. And uh <laughs> Oh, well, yeah, I go to the theater <laughs> eight times a month. But <laughs> um, I'll tell you that last night when I was at the Haunted Mansion screening, um, right before they had had a screening of Barbie, and, oh, my God, number one, three quarters of the people were dressed in pink. There we and, go. And afterwards, there were so many young women that were standing near the uh, the poster taking videos with saying lines such as, uh, you missed your cue. Because they were trying to nail the, hi, Barbie, hi, Ken, hi, Barbie, hi, Ken. And I was waiting to get into the theater. And this was a good 20 minutes. And I almost <laughs> combusted. Like, it was just, I was losing my mind. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Ken. That's hi, why I always worry about filming outside of a theater. Oh, my <laughs> God. So you, you missed your cue. You missed your cue. Do it again. We didn't get it. Do it again. Can I do it on my phone? No, send it. Airdrop it. I was so With, with the DGA. Yeah. With the DGA <laughs> yeah. is not striking. That's the only people that are, you know, going to be uh, critiquing. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. Um, all right. Speaking of, well, so you gave, ended up giving it what, a B? I gave it a B. I mean, yeah. you know, because it was pretty average. And then that final act is just so goddamn good that yeah. uh, it's like I, I'm more down on this than most people. This is a dynamite action movie yeah. and some of the best like directed action of the year. I just think the story is monumentally dumb, which is the case for most Mission Impossibles. Mission Impossible has never been this like lovely franchise for me that everyone else loves these so much. I'm someone that's like, each one of these, the plot is so damn stupid, but the action is just so good that, you know, right. I give it credit every time. But man, oh, man, like you really got to turn your brain like all the way off. Maybe I'll get around to uh, learning more about these Mission Impossible films you speak of at some point. Once again, like I said, you really don't need to. <laughs> <laughs> you really don't need to at all. All right. So as mentioned at the top of the show, SAG-AFTRA is on strike in addition to the Writers Guild of America. Um, and last night, so we're recording this early on Tuesday morning. On Monday night, there was a statement uh, from SAG-AFTRA that basically said that they're fighting for the survival of their profession. Um, and that, let me see, quote, we moved on some things, but from day one, they wouldn't meaningfully engage on the most critical issues. And they're referring to the studios who are represented by the AMPTP. Uh, and the late last night, the AMPTP came out and said, man, I work in higher education and we have a ton of acronyms. Woo, this is getting me. AMPTP is a tough one. Wait, AMPTP. Why don't they just call them um, assholes. Uh, well, they, the quote unquote assholes uh, <laughs> said that uh, SAG-AFTRA continues to mischaracterize the negotiations with us. Not only does it its press release deliberately distort the offers made by AMPTP, it also fails to include the proposals offered verbally to SAG-AFTRA leadership on July 12th. Let's talk about one of those proposals, Sean. Yeah, okay, I was going to say, because this is what they always do. They say like, you know, oh, SAG-AFTRA completely said the wrong thing. And then they don't say anything else. Well, they did. There, so there's so th a further... And this one they do. So this is interesting. Well, there's a further statement. Let me yeah. see if... Uh, this is the guild. 
Um, I'm trying to see if there's anything more real quick. Sorry, I'm. Uh, let me see. After we, uh, it took more than four weeks of bargaining for AMT. Here's AMPT's full statement. The deal that SAG quote the deal that SAG after walked away from on July 12th is worth more than one billion dollars in wage increases, pension and health contributions, and residual increases, blah blah blah, including expressly with respect to AI. We're going to touch on that in a second. Mm-hmm. Um, despite what the SAG after would have you believe, uh, the current contract was hailed by leadership as the most lucrative deal we have ever negotiated, value at 318. So basically. Yeah, so they rejected revenue sharing, AMPTP. Um, and then there's a bunch of just weird changes here with um, some of the proposals from SAG-AFTRA. So what some of the counteroffers are. Um, there, And apparently a lot of the counteroffers are being categorized as uh, inadequate. And... SAG-AFTRA is laying it all out on the table, um, which is really interesting. All right. So the, without getting into a lot of it, they're just, they seem to be really far apart. And there's a lot of statements being made by leadership um, uh, of studios that are kind of tone deaf. Bob Iger, who I do love, um, was a little tone deaf on this the other day. Yeah, that was a, that was a tough one from him, man. I mean, I, I like, I, I don't understand using those exact words of what was, he was like appalling or disgusting or something like that. Unrealistic. Unrealistic. And it's just like, Buddy, I mean, I don't know. I mean, first of all, the AI corner of this where they can, you know, scan up not even like George Clooney's face or Julia Roberts face, but like a, a, a no name extra actor. Yeah. And then they can like duplicate him 10 million times and only pay him for one day. That, that, that sounds unconscionable. That sounds terrible. These guys are already like barely making any money um, because they're they're extras. And now you're just going to use their face tons of times and not pay them every single time you use their face. And also have it be without consent, which is, you know, a moral issue. Like you could have like George Clooney's face get scanned and then, you know, he have him in a movie where he burns down an orphanage. Not great for him. <laughs> like it, there's, there, there's stuff where all of those levels of it where, I mean, that's obviously an insane case, but I think <laughs> I, that just is so strange to me. It's, it's, a, it's a lack of the payment. It's a lack of, you know, consent. And so that part of the AI level. And, you know, it's interesting because they say like, you know, oh, well, the actors are being unrealistic because they don't want any AI whatsoever. They have not said that. They said, listen, we know we're in an age where AI exists, but we would like to, I don't know, maybe have a say of how our faces are used. Doesn't seem terribly unreasonable to me. Like it, It's weird how much it doesn't seem unreasonable to me. So my biggest concern is that when the streaming really became a big thing, we, we still haven't caught up to adequately uh, adequately give money uh, yeah, to, pay. Ad, to adequately pay the people <laughs> that made the content yeah. that these streamers are making a bunch of money on. I think about like shows like The Office, um, The Office, which, you know, it's, it's airing on Comedy Central for its millionth time. Um, residuals, however small they are, because they're not huge, but residuals are going to actors because it's in syndication. But that's not the same with a Netflix or a Hulu or any of those. So there's still a lot of, you know, an interesting, I think, moral issue with the fact that a lot of work is being utilized to put money in the pockets of these individuals who are running these streamers. And it's at the expense of or it's, you know, they're not they're not adequately paying um, those that made the product. And that's really frustrating. And that's kind of where I see 
SAG-AFTRA really trying to make a stand right now when it comes to AI is, look, we don't know where this is going to go. You know, we can see that you're probably going to try to like create different scripts and whatnot with writers. I mean, with without writers and with AI, or, you know, you could do that whole filming the back filming a background actor and using yeah. them in perpetuity. Interesting story. Devin Sawa, you know, you know who I'm talking about? The actor from Final Destination and stuff. Uh, yes. He tweeted about how when uh, a story about how in his contract for Final Destination one, it was essentially that they could use his whatever was filmed and stuff in the future. And he assumed that it was for like, you know, promotion or whatever, like flashbacks in the next movie or something. Yeah. Well, they kind of kind of. However, in Final Destination five, they recut scenes that he had filmed. Now, I don't know if they were used or not in the original but they recut it to act as though he was there. So they kind of like staged an actor against him. So he, basically it seems like he's in the movie, but he wasn't and he's not receiving anything for it. Yeah. See, and that, that's all they, they should receive something for that. That is a, that is you using a likeness. We were just over this with college athletes where they're using their imagery in video games and stuff. And true. Those, true. those video games are making money, but those college athletes are not. And that just seems like this crazy uh, wheel well and yeah i mean you know yeah residuals are, are seem like they're uh, they're they're gone because everyone's cutting their cord so pretty much like you know now it has to be uh netflix saying that hey uh this uh tv show is the most popular tv show right now it's the number one tv show well first of all there's no transparency right. they have no way of knowing that and then they have a way of knowing that and so they pretty much could say like wow like to use your example because it's a great one the office where that is always watched by everybody on the planet and like all the time, constantly now it's on Peacock. So, you know, they, they don't have any money to give, but they're um, raising prices for the first time. <laughs> of course they are. <laughs> <laughs> I feel so bad for Peacock. Like, um, but yeah. And I, uh, man, it, it, yeah. So then Steve Carell, who, you know, has eight mansions, he's fine, but like he doesn't see any money for every single time an episode should click. And he should Creed Bratton should Angela Kinsey should. And they, they should and that like it just strained that they don't and so it honestly makes sense to uh like go on strike for this kind of stuff because they have not updated from basic cable television and yeah. basic cable television is straight up dying my, my folks have it and they're like how much longer are we gonna have basic cable i'm like Two i mean ago. <laughs> for as long as you're around <laughs> like, they'll be, honestly that's what it will be it's like that generation because the next generation does not have basic cable television <laughs> so it's gonna get tricky <laughs> Maybe um, that was a little bit mean. No. <laughs> <laughs> Clip it now. Um, <laughs> uh, there, it, this reminds me of back when Netflix was trying to keep Friends on because it was doing so well for them. And they paid $100 million to keep it for an additional year. Like that's the type of money that we're talking about here. And I do understand that when you're talking about residuals, you're talking about everyone that works on a film. Like you may not – like. The, the low man on the totem pole isn't necessarily going to be like making bank. But, you know, there's you see these posts out there and these stories about residuals that are coming in where it's like for months, they're, they're making like 25 cents or yeah, two dollars yeah. or a dollar or whatever. Um, and that's ridiculous. But they're not even getting that when it comes to streaming stuff. And that's what drives and me crazy. There is. Yeah. The 25 cents, the two dollars. That's like something where it's like, oh, yeah, I worked on something in 1999 and it got put on like uh, Skibblepuss, uh, yeah. the channel, the Skibblepuss channel. Skibblepuss. And so like that, that kind of stuff is the quarter. But there's there's times where writers and actors live 
on those residuals <laughs> and like they like for a while before that and so it's just strange when like a, a streaming service picks something up and they it's showing in a person's house and they are watching it and it is being consumed and the only consumer and the only like person that is getting that uh, adequate money is a netflix yeah. and that doesn't make sense to me it's like going being at one restaurant going next door getting takeout and giving it to your customers and then yeah. not charging them for it yeah like it's or not paying the original chef, I guess. Yeah, would be the like some, <laughs> you know, it's um, this, and this is also at a time where The Rock is going to be making fifty million dollars from Amazon Studios just for Red One. Like this, it's just terrible optics in a, in all this as well. Um, and let's boil it down to like basic basic human rights and needs. Yeah. You have to make $26,000 a year to qualify in SAG-AFTRA for their medical insurance, for their health insurance. Um, and that's up dramatically from what it's been in the past. And there are so many people that don't even meet that. And that's yeah. that's problematic in a world today where, you know, well, let's say in the world, yes, in America today, yeah. where the healthcare system is its own freaking mega billion trillion dollar bajillion dollar industry that uh preys on our weaknesses but all that to say we'll keep an eye on that and see where it goes um but that hasn't stopped us from getting some casting news um I, did we talk about the first we talked two? about rachel brosnahan and david Corson. okay I, I'm, I, I'm almost out. certain we did like but then the, the rest of them came up in the last like week and a half so we haven't yeah. been able to talk about them but i mean well well if we haven't talked about them big fans of that casting i think it's awesome so well, it's David David Corns, David Corns, Rachel Brosnahan, yeah. yeah. The rest of them, I don't know those people in the comics. <laughs> happy for the actors. Happy to see that stuff. Cool. Like, let's see what happens. It seems like the way they're going, and so we should mention Isabella Merced is going to be Hawkgirl. Uh, Edie Gethigy is uh, Mister Terrific. Nathan Fillion is Guy Gardner, who is a different, who's an older Green Lantern. Um, Anthony Carrigan is Metamorpho. It seems like the way they're going with this is. And Sean, your head's going to spin, but it's like a, it seems like a Justice Society of America type angle, which kind of was teased a little bit in the post credit scene of Shazam, the mid credit scene. Well, um, also, Black Adam had a Justice Society, right? Well, yeah, with ha which had Hawkman and and then all that. So I, I they're they're doing something here um, where I think it's going to be bringing trying to help Superman become the hero that he needs to be with some. Um, <laughs> some adults or something, but Hawkgirl's not an adult here, so I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm very interested to see where they go. I I was very cold on this early um, on all these castings, except for David Corden Sweat and Rachel Brosnahan. But I did read something that kind of convinced me. It was like this whole thing about why um, James Gunn really doesn't miss when it comes to casting. That's and that true. Yeah. He's really good with casting. I think I was a little annoyed that Nathan Fillion was in this as that well. That seemed like a weird one. Um, I mean, you know, let's face it. When is Sean Gunn going to be in this? Yeah, <laughs> like... yeah. Well, Sean Gunn's not going to be in a uh, Marvel movie anytime soon. Did you hear the shit he was saying about them? Oh, yeah, that was big. Well, he he just went right, right after Iger. Which he just awesome. went off. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah. So, I mean, look, the cast is rounding out. They still haven't announced who's going to play um, uh, Lex Luthor or anyone. And the... Gunn is playing Koi as to whether Luther's in this. Luther's going to be in it. There was a rumor about who was playing Lex Luther though, and it's escaping my mind, but I loved it. I still want. Oh, oh. Daniel Craig was the rumor, and I kind of loved it, but I th it's bullshit. But I loved it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's kind of cool. <laughs> Daniel Craig wants to sit on his porch with a whiskey for the rest of his life. That yes, dude does. doesn't want to be in any sort of franchise movie anymore. <laughs> 
He thought he signed up for one James Bond <laughs> He's like, movie. Hey, James Bond sounds kind of cool. This, this little character that I don't know about. <laughs> While we're on the topic of James Gunn, Harrison Dickinson was recently uh, spoken to, and this is reported by Film News uh, UK. Um, but he's, I guess he's in the running or he's one of the names that's being, fl- uh, that's flying around for possible replacements for Daniel Craig. Um, and he just said, I mean, listen, oh. man, you'd be a fool not to entertain that role. I love seeing the development of James Gunn and seeing how it changes. Um, but then he goes on to say, he goes, who knows what they're doing with Bond? I'm intrigued. And he's the one from, he was in where the crawl dad sing and such. Yeah. Um, but then he said, where's the other line that I love from this? Um, I find comedy, he's really passionate about comedy, and he goes, quote, I find comedy natural. I'm not saying I'm funny. I'm saying I'm silly. (laughs) Um, He kind of has a good look for it. I I can can sort of see it. I need to, like, maybe, I I, I can't get triangle of status out of my mind, but I guess, I mean, he was a a literal model in that, so I guess that works. Um, Anyway, that's the casting for Superman. (laughs) Casting for Superman. There we go. Uh, final story here is your wheelhouse, Sean. Emmy nominations came out. Um, and if you want to read all of Sean's thoughts on this, head over to guyatthemovies.com and his post last week for uh, Awards Outlook uh, had the rundown. But, Sean, give us some of your, your takes here. Yeah, I mean, like, I could, like, go through every single nomination and, like, talk about it, like, which I almost did in the article. And then I just said, do snubs and surprises instead, <laughs> just because I don't want to over-inundate um, people with that. Um, I should have called this up. Let me take a look. <laughs> um, I guess like some of the big ones are, you know, Andor. Great to see it in uh, drama. Really upsetting that no performers got nominated, but no one was truly expected. Um, it was a little bit. Uh, House of the Dragon was a little bit surprising that some performers didn't get nominated for that. Matt Smith, Patty Considine, Emma Darcy. Um, What's well, going to be the most interesting is Succession got three lead actor nominations um, with uh, Kieran Culkin, Jeremy Strong, and Brian Cox who should be supporting for reasons that are spoilers. Um, and um, for that alone, I was wondering to myself, I said, that just seems a little bit strange because now they're going to be a lot of canceling each other out. And that might pave the way for Bob Odenkirk and better call Saul, which Ooh, interesting for the love of God, he has played that role for now. I think almost 15 years in two different shows and has not gotten any credit for it. He's like, guys, um, guys, <laughs> like, listen, I almost died on the set last season. Give me the freaking Emmy. <laughs> like, so um, I, it, it would be curious to see what that would look like um, uh, if he could pull that off. And I, that that's, might be my long shot pick. Abbott Elementary in the comedy is a very interesting one because I was predicting them to be a winner. And now I don't think they'll win um, mm-hmm. because they were not nominated for a single writing uh, Emmy, which is, first of all, very strange. They won last year for that. Um, they still got a lot of their uh, cast members, except for unfortunately, Sam Walter didn't get nominated, which uh, again bums me out. Um, Blackbird not getting a, C- a limited series nomination was huge, but you know, Taryn and Paul both got in there. Um, other things I'm thinking about, um, there's not much else in comedy. I guess, you know, it's weird to say that The Bear is the front runner um, for season one, by the way. Um, just because it's not much of a comedy. Uh, I think season two is a little bit more of a comedy. I, I laughed a lot more in season two. So I get it. It's kind of comedic. Um, but I, I think Ted Lasso still might get it, even though nobody liked season three. It takes a lot for like the television Academy to like get stale on a show. Like yeah. they'll still give it to them undeservingly for a while. And so Ted Lasso still might get in there, which is just very strange to me. Cause like, no one's really like everyone's pretty lukewarm on it except for you know like basic audiences and you know 
the television academy is basic audiences. Um, I'm trying to think of any other surprising things. I guess the most surprising thing is a show that like I watched. I didn't like that much. Welcome to Chippendales got like a ton of nominations yeah. for like its supporting cast and Kumail Nanjiani got in there. Murray Bartlett was the only one that was like scheduled to get in, but um, that, that overperformed in a tremendous way. Um, Last of Us got like all those guest nominations. Succession got the other guest nominations. I loved the guest nominations. Like, thank I, God. I, and Storm Reed even got one, which I was like, yeah. I mean, it, it is. It, some people are a little bit frustrated that, like, in the guest category, it's just like Succession and Last of Us, and that's it. But I they mean, delivered. You got, you got, you got like dominating guest performances throughout that whole thing. Like, what are you gonna do? Like, yeah. this is just too good. Um, one last thing I was going to say that I totally forgot about. Um, and so I'll just probably pass it on to later, but, uh, yeah, read my article, um, uh, online, uh, from last week, um, where I talked about all the Emmy nominations. The most interesting thing probably will be, we didn't mention this when the actors strike portion, but actors cannot promote anything. And so with that, this will be like the first award show where actors aren't going to campaign at all for their awards. And that is sometimes where awards are won and lost is in the campaigning. And so to see like what will happen when like, you know, I don't know, just off the top of my Jason Sudeikis doesn't show up to every single like, you know, benefit or, you know, screening or anything like that. And instead like Academy members are just forced to, I don't know, vote based on, this is sounding very cynical, but vote based on the merit of those performances. (laughs) It's going to be interesting to see what actually comes through as the winner. Yeah, we have, I mean, it's literally two months from today, exactly, that the Emmys happen. I will predict it right now. I'm predicting it very solidly. The Emmys are not going to happen. It's going to be an announcement thing like the Globes. Um, I think they'll probably fix this by the Oscars, but it sounds like it's a real bad stalemate, like worse than before. And because, I don't know, the last writer's strike, it was... 2008, right? Yeah, 2008. And I think it was a lot like the dawn of internet and shows being shown on the internet, but it's still was like i don't know i can't remember the specifics of it but it never seemed like it was too bad like i remember it produced the dumbest episode of a tv show i've ever fucking seen in my life that lost no well no all, um, all of lost but yeah shut up breaking bad the fly episode i love the fly i knew episode. you did of course I you do of course episode. you do it's directed by ryan johnson oh my of course <laughs> it is <laughs> that's why it's so divisive <laughs> god i just remember i remember where i was i was laying in bed i had this small ass tv and i'm laying there and i'm like binging breaking bad and i'm watching this and i'm like what the hell is going on in this episode? Why is this a thing? And then I researched and it was like, oh, this was during the writer's strike. I'm like, okay, there we go. <laughs> yeah, the writer's strike. I mean, you know, just little things like Spectra was a victim of the writer's strike. Um, you know, or, oh, no, 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 sorry, not Spectra. Quantum of Solace. Quantum of Solace. Oh, really? Quantum of Solace. Hmm. Or Spectra or both. I, Maybe I, Quantum I of Solace. I think you're yeah. right. But uh, both of those were pretty bad. So, um, oh no, it's definitely not Spectra. Spectra was a while back. Yeah, no, it's definitely Quantum of Solace. Well, Quantum yeah. of Solace was 2008 that it came out. Oh. So it had to be whatever came after that. No, Skyfall. Skyfall is good. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm, I'm making up shit. Last Raider Strike. It was 2008, right? Am I making it that up? It was 2008, 2007, 2008. So it yeah. could have been them finishing it up or something. But, uh... And that lasted five months. So that's yikes. Um, yeah, it's uh, you know, they're already like CBS is already planning on putting Yellowstone um, on CBS instead of you know the fall, <laughs> the fall shows. So 
and they and they pushed Big Brother back from its summer start to its early summer start to August second, so that they can take it deeper into the fall. There we go. Which upsets go. me because that's my summer show. <laughs> Not anymore. That's gonna be here. That's gonna be your fall show. That's it's always stressful. it's funny like fall shows. It's like really there's still fall shows out there. Like I guess so. Well, you know, it's affecting things like Stranger Things. We're not going to get for another seventeen years. Well, the, <laughs> I mean, those kids can't age anymore. Like they're, I don't they're already, know. They're already ninety-five years old. They're done. Uh, but there was a really funny article that was on Pup News the other day, and it was talking about how Warner Brothers was debating whether to delay certain films, mm-hmm. and Warner Brothers was deciding or was debating about Blue Beetle being pushed to next year, but decided to keep it. Um, and then they are keeping the Meg too because they believe that the shark is a bigger draw than Jason Statham, which I just, it was so funny reading that. I get it. I get what they're saying. It, um, it is, it is just also true. Movie. When you told me that, I was like, yeah, actually, like nobody's <laughs> like, like, I can't wait to see the new Jason Statham movie. Yeah. Like, I mean, not that like Jason Statham's like not a calling card. Like, he's right, a, right, he's right. a fine action actor. But in that one, it's like, no, I'm seeing a giant, stupid shark. There's, um, the other one is what was it? Uh, the Equalizer three they're moving forward with. That's oh. not Warner Brothers, I believe that's Sony. Um, but they're moving forward with that because they, um, they just are. And then the other one that, that they're debating is you're not going to like this. Challengers. I um, heard about Challengers. Yeah. Part of the reason with Challengers is because Zendaya is only making ten million dollars for that. Only making ten million dollars for that movie. But a lot of it's because she has such a social presence and such a presence when she's on red carpets and all that stuff to promote. She's really good at promoting her films, and they're relying on that to push this film a lot. So, uh, what's his name, Luca Guadagnino? Yeah. Um, is is pu- uh, reportedly pushing them to delay the film, and I think it has a good chance of being delayed. I think that one might get delayed just because, yeah, that you know, I, it looks like a good movie as well, but that is really reliant on star power, and you know, you see that in the trailer. They were totally relying on star power, which, yeah, that could definitely get pushed. Um, that would be an interesting one to get pushed. Did you see the picture, by the way, of Tom Holland from uh, the crowded room where he's pushed against the wall or whatever, and they're like, "Not to be outdone by Zendaya." <laughs> Oh, boy. Oh, man. All right. Let's talk about what's coming out uh, this week. We have Barbie and Oppenheimer, uh, also known as Barbenheimer. What is your Barbenheimer plan? It's God. So this is um, I was going to say first world problems, but I don't like that term. Um, This is, uh, you know, gets free screenings as a content creator um, problems. Um, The studio scheduled Oppenheimer and Barbie on the same night. Um, Oh, yeah. I heard about that. The screeners at the same time, which is tonight. Um, which is frustrating. So I chose Oppenheimer because I was given another option to see Barbie before um, Thursday uh, when it wide releases. So I'll be seeing that tomorrow night. There were screenings of Barbie last night that I missed um, because I had stuff going on and I was going to see Haunted Mansion as well. Um, So that's my plan. I'll see Oppenheimer tonight and I'll see, and that's Tuesday and I'll see Barbie on Wednesday. But what are your, what's your plan? How are you doing this? My Thursday afternoon is going to be Barbie with my mom. And uh, <laughs> Friday during the day is going to be Oppenheimer with my dad. Nice. So, <laughs> yeah, it's like, they could both go to both movies, I guess. But I, I, I thought like, you know, you know let's, let's not uh, push it too hard. After you just challenged them to survive broadcast cable. I'm just saying that it's the next generation. I didn't mean like I'm <laughs> looking forward to it or anything like that. But that, that is when it's going down. <laughs> oh, man. We also have They Clone Tyrone hitting Netflix, which is getting some interesting really buzz. Good buzz. Like kind of stunningly shocking. Like, yeah. I'm very much looking forward to that now. Stephen Curry underrated hits Apple TV Plus. Um, that's about it. You call Follow- it Stephen Curry? What? 
Stephen Curry? Yeah. Steph Curry. Yeah, but it's I, I believe that the title is Stephen Curry. Stephen Curry. Stephen Curry. Called Stephen. I was listening. I'm tired and I'm my, reading it. My basketball man, right there. I'm really not a basketball. You know ball. I'm hockey. I'm football. I know nothing else. Apparently. I know enough to be dangerous with baseball. I also know soccer. I don't really pay attention to basketball. <laughs> anyway, watch the Stephen Curry. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. This um, okay. Whatever. Follow I can't us pronounce on, most hockey players, and you can. Follow us on threads before it dies, because apparently that's happening now. Um, sure. <laughs> there are threads to start implementing rate limits like Twitter. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That is that is amazing. I so, love this. And also that Gargoyle story, which I was actually kind of excited about. Oh, Kenneth Branagh? Yeah. Uh, uh, the creator of Gargoyles tweeted and said, I'm thinking that it's flat out not true. <laughs> so here we are. <laughs> Well, there we go. Yeah, so that's fun. Um, All right, Sean. uh, Bye. See you. Couldn't find the link. Bye. The Guy at the Movies podcast is a joint venture between Math Teacher Movies and Guy at the Movies. You can catch new episodes weekly right here wherever you're listening to this one. Subscribe so you never miss a beat.